All right? Good, good. How many's doing all right? All right, good. Y'all happy? Anybody happy in here? Uh, happy? All right. It's better than being sad, isn't it? <laughs> all right. Well, it's good to come and be together and worship the Lord. Let's go to uh, 1 Kings 17. Let's open to 1 Kings 17. You know, we live in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, you know, and we spend the majority of our time there, and that's rightly so. But the whole Bible was written for us to learn things from. Amen? Amen. Old and New Testament. And so we live in the New Testament. We spend most of our time there, but... but uh, uh, there's many things we can learn from the Old Testament. And, of course, last Sunday I talked about, uh, you know, revival is the key to survival. We talked about that. How many remembers talking about that? And then on Wednesday night we talked about the place of survival. And so we're going to spend a few services on survival, the theme of survival. You know, in these economic times, uh, we need to know some things about survival, don't we? Have you noticed out there, it's, uh, economically, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the most challenging times that this nation has known since the Great Depression. And so, uh, but you've got to remember this too, that nothing surprises the Lord. This didn't catch him by surprise. He knew this was going to happen long before it ever did. And he has given us his word and... And there's some th things in his word that he tells us about surviving that if we'd grab a hold of and take to heart and do, we'd be able to walk through this uh, time, this economic time, and, and prosper. Amen? How many want to prosper through these economic times? Can, can, can we go up while the world's going down? Sure, sure we can. We can survive. So today I'm going to talk about something that has to do with survival. And I'm titling this, Survive with the Tithe. Survive with the Tithe. Now, those of you who have attended here for many years, you know that I say little to nothing about money. Little to nothing. I say little to nothing about tithes and offerings. Now, we receive tithes and offerings at each service because that's, that's according to the Word of God. That's God's way. Um, God does not support His church on bake sales and rummage sales and garage sales and yard sales, barbecues. Now, there's nothing wrong with the youth doing a barbecue or a car wash to you know, raise money to go to a camp or something, a mission camp. Nothing, nothing in the world wrong with that. But that's not how God runs His day-to-day his -day operations, week-to-week -week operations of, of a church. It's through the tithe and the offering. Now, I say little to nothing about money around here. Now, I should probably say more about it than I do. But I say little to nothing about it because of the abuses by some ministers. And I don't want to get grouped in with them, you know. That folks that promise you things out beyond the Word of God. You know, if you'll give money in this particular offering that, you know, you're, you know, wonderful, bizarre things are going to happen to you. You know, that's just not true. Those things, folk, ministers, folks shouldn't do that. You understand that? You know, I found that walking with God, to prosper with God, it's consistency. Not just a one-time deal, 
but consistently being a tither and a giver over the course of time, consistency. And uh, not just putting in one offering or, or sending in money before midnight, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's, uh, so that's why I don't say more about it than I do because I don't want to get grouped in with, with those folks that, that do, do that and try to bilk God's people out of their money. But you need to know that the tithe is the supernatural side to economic survival. The tithe is the supernatural side to economic survival. Now, there's also a natural side. And, and, and I've watched this over the years. People seem to want to get on one side or the other. Christians I'm talking about. Some Christians, they just want to, they just want to tithe and give offerings. And that's the spiritual side. But they don't want to do the natural side, which is work hard and budget money. See? And so they're tithing and giving, and yet they're not prospering. Why? Because they're just doing the spiritual side, not the natural side. Then I've watched other Christians, they're going to just do the natural side, and they're going to work 16 jobs and, 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 and then work part-time on top of that, you know, and, and, and work, 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 and, 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 and they, you know, they do budget and all of this, but they don't tithe. And so they got the natural side, but not the supernatural side. And then they go backwards. Uh, you can be a tither and a giver and go backwards. Did you know that? If you don't do the natural things. And you can do the natural things and go backward, you know, if you're not a tither. It's, it's like one good minister said it this way. It's the natural and the supernatural coming together that make an explosive force for God. So what I want to talk about today, what I feel led of the Spirit to talk about today, is the supernatural or the spiritual side of economic survival and that has to do with tithes and offerings. Now, I never teach on this subject with the intent to convince someone to tithe. So if, if you're here today and you're not a tither and a giver, I'm not trying to convince you to do that at all. Um, what I do is I encourage those who are tithers and givers with the word of God and the promises of God that belong to them because they tithe and give. And then I trust those who don't who aren't tithers and givers, will be moved by the Holy Spirit. See, if you're not moved on by the Holy Spirit, and then if you don't obey Him, you know, ju just me teaching a message trying to get to, to convince you to do something is, is, is futile. But if I'll teach the Word of God and encourage those who do tithe and give with the Word of God to show them the blessings in tithing and giving, you know, and then other people who don't do it see the blessings, you know. I trust the Spirit of God will move on them. And then, you know, even when the Spirit of God moves on you, you still have to be obedient. Is that right? It doesn't do any good if the Spirit of God moves on you and you don't obey, see. But when, you, when He moves on you and you obey and trust Him and, then, and don't look to just, well, I'm going to just start tithing today and tomorrow the windows of heaven are going to break open. doesn't work that way. What did I tell you a moment ago? It's consistency over time. Consistency over time. You understand that? And so, so I never teach on this subject trying to convince people to, do th to, to become tithers. I don't do that. It just doesn't work. But, but you know there's a blessing to the tither and the giver. Do you understand that? And if you want to survive in these economic times, you're going to need, uh, in which we live here in the nation, you're going to need to understand that to survive, you're going to have to do it with the tithe along with the natural things that need to be done. And have you noticed something? We've already received tithes and offerings here, haven't we? Now, I never, I, I, I never do teach, and I seldom teach on money, but when I do teach on money, I'm always careful that we've taken or received up, received up the tithes and offerings before I teach on it. Because I don't want to get somebody flying higher than a kite and then give out of emotional 
just from being emotional. Did you understand that? And be watchful about going to a, a service, you know, somewhere and getting all emotional and stirred up and, and then give, give money. Don't do that. Always get away from that emotional, wound up atmosphere. Go home, get in your prayer closet, seek the Lord and determine in your heart what, what you're going to do. You understand that? Did you get what I just said? So I've watched ministers, they'll get people all wound up and then they'll pass an t- offering basket around. I, I won't do it that way. We've already received the tithes and offerings, and so now we teach on it. My intent is not to try to get your money. I hope you appreciate that. But if I'm going to do my job as a pastor, I need to teach you what the Bible says about tithing and giving so that we, we can survive in these tough times. Now, go to 1 Kings 17 and verse 8. 1 Kings 17 and verse 8. We're talking about survive with the tithe. 1 Kings 17 and 8. Now, the word of the Lord came to him, that's to Elijah. He was a, a prophet in the Old Testament, saying, Now, he had just been, now, Wednesday night, we talked about this last Wednesday night. He had been by the brook. There was a famine in the land because of a drought, and he had been by the brook Cherith, and God had been providing for him there. And then the brook dried up, and the word of the Lord came to him, verse 8, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, notice a widow to provide for you. Now, why wouldn't God send him to a millionaire's house? That'd make more sense. You know, I've walked with God for better than 20 years, and uh, I've, I've learned this about him, that, that a lot of things that he does don't make sense to the natural mind. But we walk by faith, not by sight. And see, God sent him to a widow, and as we'll see, she didn't have a whole lot. See, we need to keep our eyes on God, not on people. We need to keep our eyes on God, not on man. I've learned this over the years. God very often, most of the time, provides through the most unlikely of sources. Through the most unlikely of sources. He didn't send him to a millionaire's house. Send him to a widow's house who had very little. And we're going to see the principle of the tithe here in a moment. And I want to tell you right now, to the natural mind, tithing doesn't make any sense. Did you hear me? How can you give tithe? We'll see this 10%. How can you give 10% away and increase? Well, in the natural realm, it makes no sense. But remember, it's the natural and the supernatural. See, tithing has to do with the supernatural side of things. It doesn't make any sense in the natural. But you see, it enacts spiritual principle. You understand? So anyway, he said there's a widow there uh, going to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. (laughs) Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now this makes no sense for God to send this man over to this this lady's house. Elijah needs sustenance. He needs to survive. He needs some food and water. And God sent him to a lady that didn't have hardly any. Sounds like something God would do. And in verse 13, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. 
Go and do if you go and do as you have said, but now watch this, but make me a notice a what? A small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward make some for yourself and your son. Well, the tithe the tithe tithe means a tenth or ten percent. And if you've got if you've got the whole of something, would you agree that ten percent is a small amount? Ten percent that's just a small amount, right? And so he said, make so she had she had some, and he said, from that, take a small amount from that first. Real loud say first. I believe the tithe is the first and the best. That goes to God. The first and the best. So he said, just take a little of what you have, small cake from it first, and bring it to me. Well, he was a representative of God. We bring the tithes unto the Lord. Make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me. And then he says, and you get to keep the rest of it. Didn't he? And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. He just wanted a small bit of it first. Bring it to him, and then you get to keep the rest. Well, that's how, that's how the tithe works. You know, how many of you know it all belongs to God anyway? But he requires 10%, we get to keep the 90. I see tithing all over this right here. And notice, for this woman to survive, she's going to have to do it here with the tithe. And that's what's happening here. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he, notice she and he, provision for her and him. Her and him. And her household ate for many days. Some say it was about a year and a half. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now, we've got supernatural stuff going on all over the place here, don't we? But it was because of that principle of the tithe. Bring me a small amount of it, First, and then you get to keep the rest. And she did just what he said, and guess what? The bin of flour just kept producing, and the oil kept producing, and, and, and it was provisioned for the man of God, for the woman. See, God sent him over there for her to provide for him, and in her providing for him, guess what happened to her and her house? They were provided for her. Do you see that? So we survive with the tithe. Now, again, the tithe is a tenth or ten percent. Does anybody know what the tithe on a dollar is? Ten cents or a dime. What's the tithe on a hundred dollars? Ten dollars. You know something I've learned? I've learned that if somebody doesn't tithe on one dollar, they won't tithe on a hundred or on a thousand or on a million. 
Somebody said one time, I get a million dollars, I'll tithe. No, you won't. Because of a, uh, Jesus said that if we're not faithful in that which is least or little, we'll not be faithful in that which is much. And you need to realize something else. Jesus watches over the tithe and offering basket. You must realize this, that tithing and giving offerings is not between you and a minister or between you and a ministry. It's between you and the Lord. And Jesus, he watches the offering baskets. Remember there at that one point in his earthly ministry, the Bible said that he, he, he sat there and he watched as the people came and cast into the treasury of the Lord. Remember that? And remember the rich people came and cast in. And then remember that little widow woman came and she cast in two mites. And Jesus said, now what did he say here? He said, this lady has put in more than all those rich people. Is that right? You know why that is? is why could he say that? You say, wait a minute, they put in more than, uh, than she did. Uh, why did Jesus say that she put in more? Because God looks at percents. He doesn't look at amounts. Do you get what I just said? God does not look at amounts. He looks at percents. That way everybody can be on an even playing field. Did you hear me? He, God does not look at amounts. He looks at percents. And, and you see, she put in 100%, didn't she? She put in all that she had. That's why Jesus said she put in more than the rest. Because God looks at now, somebody asked me one time, they said, well, what are we supposed to tithe on? What does tithe mean? It means a tenth. What are we supposed to tithe on? Well, you can read in the Proverbs, the third chapter, and see all of our increase. If we increase, we need to be thankful to God, and 10% of that increase belongs to Him. Now, how many of you again know that all of it belongs to Him? Is that right? All of it belongs to Him? Is that right? And he, he just wants a little bit of it, right? And we get to keep the rest. Is that right? Is that wonderful? How many of you know he could have turned that around? And he could require 90 and leave us with 10. But you know, if that would have been his way, we could make it on the 10. Now, notice Matthew 23, 23. Notice this. I think you'll find this very interesting, what Jesus said about tithing here. Matthew 23, 23. Notice what Jesus said about tithing. He's speaking to religious people here. And he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. So he, he said, you're tithers. He said, you pay your tithe. You, you tithe. But then he says, you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. Now, how many of you know there's weightier matters than tithing? There's weightier matters than tithing. And he said, he told us, three of them here, he said, justice and mercy and faith. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with Jesus? <laughs> That justice and mercy and faith are weightier matters, more important matters than tithing. Weightier matters. But notice what Jesus says. He says, these you ought to have done, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done. But then notice what he says, without leaving 
the others undone. He just said, you should have put your your emphasis on justice, mercy, and faith, but you still should have been a tither. You see that? So there's weightier matters than tithing. Jesus, he told a parable one time about a religious person who was unsaved, unsaved, but tithed and was prideful about it. Did you know that even lost people can tithe? Do you know that there's a lot of people in this nation this morning that have brought their tithes to church, but they've, they've, never, they've, they've never made Jesus the Lord of their life? They think that their tithing is going to get them into heaven. How many of you know all the money you and I have put together won't get us into heaven? Is that right? You understand that? And Jesus told a parable. He told, he talked about two, he, I think one of them was a, uh, 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 tax collector, I believe it was, and another guy is a relig- religious guy, you know, and, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like this guy over here, this religious guy. He said, you know, he said, I pay tithes and I pray and I do this and that. And then this other guy wouldn't even so much as look up to heaven, he just smote his chest and said, God have mercy to me, a sinner. And uh, Jesus said the guy that wouldn't even look up to heaven but smote his chest and said, have mercy on me as a sinner. You know, Jesus said that that man went down justified rather than the guy that was bragging about his praying and his tithing. Remember Jesus sharing that parable? You could look that up and read that sometime. So you need to realize that there's weightier matters than, than tithing. How many of you know preaching the new birth is more important than preaching tithing? Uh, is that right? How, how many of you know walking in love, that's a, that's a greater message than, than the message of tithing? How many of you know teaching on faith that's a, and mercy and grace, that's a greater message than tithing? But you know we ought to do that and not leave the tithing undone. Why? Because the tithe is the key to survive in these economic times. So let's do both. Now notice Jesus talked about the law here. There's weightier matters of the law. Now tithing is in the law. Everybody agrees with that. But justice and mercy and faith are in the law too. Didn't he say that? How come people don't ever argue over that? But a lot of times people say, well, they say tithing's in the law, tithing's in the law, tithing's in the law. We don't have to do it today. We're under grace. Well, let me ask you this. Would God expect any less of us under grace than he did under the law? Actually, he would expect more, wouldn't he? Now, whenever I say that, people get real happy with the 10%. Did you get what I just said? So I've had people say, tithing's under the law, tithing's under the law, you know, and we're under grace. And they say that trying to get out of tithing. Well, would God expect any less under grace than he did under the law? He said under the law you go one mile, under grace you go two. Remember that? So you see, when we start talking about it in that context, you know, I I don't think we ought to do less under grace, we ought to do more. But I've learned this over all these years. Tithing is a principle we find from the Old Testament to the New. God has never changed His principle on tithing. You have to understand this. 
that the tithe was before the law. The tithe was before the law. It was first observed in the Garden of Eden. How many of you know in the Garden of Eden there was a bunch of trees in there, wasn't there? And, And didn't God tell Adam, he said, of all the trees of the garden you may what? Freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you'll not eat of it. There was one that God said was off limits. I believe that's the principle of the tithe. We also see Abel. How many remember Abel? Does anybody remember Abel? Does anybody remember him, Cain and Abel? And doesn't the Bible say that Abel brought unto God the first and the best? The Bible also says in the book of Hebrews that by faith Abel did it. Do you know it takes faith to tithe? It takes faith to be a tither. Because again, in the natural it makes no sense to tithe. It takes faith to be a tither. And it takes faith to please God. Amen? And then the Bible talks about, we're talking about tithing before the law. Abraham, before the law, he gave tithes of all. Jacob, he made this statement before the law of Moses and whatnot. He said, of all that God gives me, I will give a tenth to him. So we see tithing from the Garden of Eden, the principle of it, all the way down. And then actually we observe that Jesus was a tither. How many of you know Jesus was a tither? We just read that he was a tither in Matthew 23, 23. He said that tithing should not be left undone. Now, Jesus was either a tither or he was a hypocrite. Now, how many of you think he was a hypocrite? I don't. So he was a tither, wasn't he? He told other people to tithe. He told the scribes and the Pharisees they needed to be tithers. So if Jesus wasn't a tither, then he's a hypocrite. And Jesus is not a hypocrite. How many of you know Jesus was a tither? No question about it. And then we observe tithing in the book of Hebrews, which is almost near the end of the New Testament, where the Bible says in Hebrews 7, says, here mortal men receive tithes, but there in heaven he receives them. You've got to get this revelation about tithing, that when you release the tithe into the, into the, into the offering tithe, an offering basket that comes through, see, you ought to do so with a heart of worship. And here the Bible says that men that die receive tithes. The, the, the minister and the ushers, you know, we receive the tithe. Here, mortal men, here on earth, mortal men receive tithe. But you need to realize this. When you release your tithes in the natural, the Bible says up in heaven, Jesus receives them. Can you say amen? amen. You see that in Hebrews, the seventh chapter, you see. I had a person come to me one time and they said, Pastor Terry, I heard you teach, because I only teach on it about once a year, maybe twice, on this principle of tithes. And that guy, the rich guy was here that day. And he said, he said, I heard you teach today on the tithe, minister. He said, but I don't tithe and I'm rich. And I said, well, what do you think you could have if you did tithe? If you can get rich without God's help, what, what do you think you can do with his help? Now, I went on to find out that that man wasn't saved. Now, he might have a million dollars in the bank, but he's not prosperous. How many of you know it takes more than money to be prosperous? How many of you know you can have a million dollars in the bank, but if you don't have Jesus in your heart, you're not prosperous? Is that right? You can have a million dollars in the bank and and your marriage be on the rocks and you're not prosperous. Is that right? Well, praise God. You need to understand that we ought to have Jesus in our heart and we ought to be tithers as well. Amen? Now, let's go to Malachi 3. You can't teach on tithing without going to Malachi, the third chapter, I guess. Are you getting anything out of this? 
What am I doing here? I, I, I'm teaching this because we live in some really challenging economic times in this land. And if I don't tell you the truth of the word of God to encourage you, I'm not trying to get your money. I, you know, look, Elijah went over to the widow's house and it was his trip over there was really more for her than it was for him. This ministry is in good financial shape. The, the debts on this ministry have been paid off now for, for, serve for many years. Can you say amen? But see, Elijah went over there, not just to... I mean, yeah, God was going to provide for him over there, but it was, it, was, it was about that woman being blessed in her household, you see. Now look at Malachi 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Well, God said you can rob him, then you can rob him. But you say, and what have you robbed? And what have we robbed you? And then he tells us, in what? In what? In what? In what? In what? In tithes and offerings. So, according to the Bible, if we hold on to the tithe and the offering, God considers us a thief. Is that right? And then he said to verse 9, you're cursed with a what? With a curse. For you've robbed me, even this whole nation. And then he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may, may be food in my house and try me now in this. Prove me, the King James says, now in this. Only place in the Bible where I can find that God says, prove me in this. Try it out and see if it works. I'd encourage you today, if you're not a tither, try it out. But you can't try it one time. But do it for a while. God said to. And he says, try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there'll not be room enough to receive it. That sounds good, doesn't it? And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, uh, nor shall the, the vine f fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. That sounds good too, doesn't it? So let me ask you this. The tithe and the offering, who do they belong to? Do they belong to you and me or do they belong to God? God. Belong to God. And if we don't tithe, does God call us a thief? Yes. I'll never forget the uh, one minister, Terry Mize. He's that guy that, that, uh, that, that was shot at point blank six times by that robber by the side of the road down in Mexico and all six bullets went right between his legs. Whether you believe it or not, anyway, I had him tell me that story personally. It was really a, a cool story. And he, whenever he goes to the airport to preach at a church and, and, and they're going to fly him in or whatever and the attendant comes up to take his uh, bags, you know, he asks him, or like, like when the guy picks him up, you know, when the guy picks him up, to take him to the church. He'll ask the guy, he'll say, are you a tither? And if the guy says no, he says, I'll carry my own bag, thank you. If you'll steal from God, I know you'll steal from me. And then the Bible says if we don't tithe, we're under a curse. You know what I've learned about the tithe over these many years? It's marked either for a blessing or a curse. And I'd rather have a blessed 90% than a cursed 100. How about you? And I learned this too. If you don't give God what's His, the devil will get what's yours. And actually, when it comes to this curse, 
I don't teach this from the standpoint of trying to scare people. If you don't tithe, oh, God's going to get you. If God wanted to get you, you'd already been got. Is that right? Here's what the deal is. If you don't tithe, you're under a curse in that, in that God won't get involved with your finances. I don't believe he'll go out of his way to hurt you. That's not his, that's not his deal. He's not looking to hurt you. But what happens is, is when you don't tithe, you put yourself under a curse. What do I mean by that? To, to the point, well, the, the heavens will shut up over the top of you, so to speak, spiritually speaking. You understand that? And that's a curse in and of itself, isn't it? Now then he talks about bringing it into the storehouse. The storehouse. What's the storehouse? I've taught it this way for years. Most good men of God teach it this way. The storehouse is the local church where God has placed His name, where He has directed you to attend regularly, the place where you are being fed spiritually. That's the storehouse. And the tithe, as you study the Bible, the tithe is for support of the house of God and and for His ministers. And you see it again and again where, where the people tithe so the minister can give his time to the word of God. You understand that? So he can give his time to the word of God so that, that the man of God can come and feed you with spiritual things. Paul said this, if we've sown spiritual things to you, is it that great a thing that we reap material things, you see? I remember when we started the church, I, was, I told Pastor Diane, I said, we're not receiving tithes and offerings when we start this church. Because I've seen so many abuses of it. I've seen pastors and ministers try to bilk people out of money. And I said, bless God, we're, not just, we're just not going to receive tithes and offerings. And I had the Lord get a hold of me and he jerked the slack out of me. And he took me to the word and he said, That's, he said if you start that church and you don't receive tithes and offerings, you're going to do it completely and totally out of my will. And he's right. How does a church operate? It operates on what? On tithes and offerings. That's how a church, that's how any ministry should operate, you see. And so, bless the Lord, we uh, 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 have received tithes and offerings from day one. And you know what? All the needs of the ministry have always been met from day one until now. Praise God. Isn't God good? And the tithe is also for orphans, widows, those who legitimately hit hard times. Much, much we could say about it. You can read more about it in Deuteronomy 26. Also, notice, I want to teach you something else here this morning. He says, he says, try me now in this. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there'll not be room enough to receive it. When I read that the first time, I thought, you know, God's just going to start dumping money out of heaven down on me. But how many of you know God doesn't have printing presses in heaven? How many of you know he's not a counterfeiter? Is that right? But I learned this. That word blessing means benediction, which means a good word. How many of you know that a good word from God is worth its weight in gold? How many of you would like to just have a good word from God? A good word of direction from God. How many of you know a good word of direction from God could save your life? Is that right? How many of you know that, that, that that's true? 
And that word blessing does not mean that God's just going to have money start coming to you in the mailbox every day. No, it mean, that word blessing means benediction. It means a good word. So let's read verse 10 here. It says, I'll just start mid... Let's read the whole verse, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Try me, prove me in this, says the Lord. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such, a good, such good words that there'll not be room enough to receive it. And I tell you what, good words from God, if you'll move on those good words from God, they can bless you financially. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And you see, if you refuse to tithe and give, then, then that, those good words are not going to be available to you, and that's a curse in and of itself. And then he goes on to talk about how he'll rebuke the devourer, so on and so forth. Go to Joshua, the sixth chapter, just, just a little longer here. Go to Joshua, the sixth chapter. I realize there's more exciting messages than sitting here and listening about the tithe. I realize that. But I tell you what, in these times in which we live, you need to understand some things about the tithe. You really do. How many want to survive in these times? How many of you want to? I mean, really. Because I'm telling you right now that things out there in the economic realm are not going to get any better. Did you hear me? I said they're not going to get any better. And, and, and we told you several years ago that we've come up on a time now where we're going to have to use what God has taught us over the years about believing Him and trusting Him and walking with Him and using our faith for survival. You understand that? And we're up on those times now. And I'm convinced things out there aren't going to get any better. But I tell you what, we need to understand some spiritual principles. And I tell you what, if we'll do these spiritual things that God tells us to do while the world's going backwards, while the world doesn't have any food, while the world's going, going into the dumper, we can be standing strong and holding stable and moving forward. Can you say amen? But it's not going to happen by accident. We're going to have to do these things that he's told us in his word. Now look at Joshua, the sixth chapter and the 18th verse. Remember, uh, you know, uh, Joshua took over when Moses died and now they're going to move up and take that first city, Jericho. Real loud, say Jericho, Jericho. is the first city. Now real loud, say first. Now remember, the first and the best belongs to God. And actually, Jericho was the first city because you see, all of Israel under under Joshua's leadership, they were going to have to take Jericho and then then several other cities. But Jericho was the first, and really, it was the best, probably without doubt, the richest. And and as we study here, we're going to see. Notice in verse 18, Joshua 6, 18, God tells him, and you, tells Joshua, and you by all means, and he's talking to all Israel, he says, and you by all means abstain from the accursed things. Now, what does abstain mean? Don't touch it. Don't, don't, Don't have anything to do with it. Is that right? Abstain from the accursed thing. Well, if that, that's, he's talking about something that has to do with tithing here. He says, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things, and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the, now watch this, all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. See, that first city, Jericho, the first city, the best city, God required that for himself. That was his, and everything in that city was to go into his treasury. 
Now you can read on in the book of Joshua and you can see where God told them that all the other cities that they were going to take, they could, they could have the silver, the gold, and all of the goodies. But in that first city, that was God's. And he said, all of it goes into the treasury of the Lord. And if you touch any of it, you take any of it for yourself, you're going to be under a curse. You understand that? And there was a man named Achan. How many remembers Achan? There was a man named Achan, and he went and he stole. Notice I said stole. He stole some of the, some of the things out of, uh, some of the, some of the, the things there that should have been going into the treasury of the Lord. He stole some of these things that belonged to God. And it's interesting, as, 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 as the army of Israel went up against Jericho, they greatly defeated Jericho, didn't they? How many remembers how Jericho came down? That didn't make any sense either. God told him to circle the city once a day for six days. And then he said on the seventh day, go around there seven times. And then he said, blow the trumpets and shout. And when they shouted, the walls come down. Is that right? How many of you know we still serve a supernatural God? How many of you know he's still in the miracle business? You understand that? And he said, all the goodies though, all the spoil of that city... You know, spoil means the, the silver, the gold, all that. That belongs to the treasury of the Lord. But Achan took some of that and he hid it with his own things. And then they went up against the next city. Does anybody remember what the next city, what the name of the next city was? Starts with an A and ends with an I. Oh, AI. You're smart people. And it was a little rinky-dink city compared to this city of Jericho. And the Israelites were sorely defeated. And Joshua couldn't figure it out. How can we go up against that great city of Jericho and defeat it? And now we go against this little rinky-dink city and we get, our, we get dusted. How can this be? So Joshua went before the Lord to inquire, why did we lose this battle? We should have won it with our eyes closed and arms tied behind our back. And notice Joshua 7, verse 11. Notice Joshua 7, verse 11. Notice what God told Joshua. He said, Israel has what? Has sinned. Now, it's interesting. Could one person in the, in the, in the camp doing wrong affect the whole camp? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he said, you see, one person messed up and God saw it as the whole group. Anyway, Israel has sinned. Somebody asked me one time and said, is it a sin if I don't uh, uh, tithe and give offerings? Well, I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to let the Bible answer that. Joshua 7:11. Israel has sinned as a result of Ai t- taking what was God's. Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. Now watch this. And they have also put it among their own what? Their own stuff. Dear friends, listen to me. It's just, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to help you. It's a dangerous thing to have things that belong to God for you to keep those things. God says steal them and put them among your own stuff. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. I'm going to say, it's, it's dangerous. Is that, am I emphasizing that enough? It's, it's, it's dangerous. Did you get in it? I said, it's dangerous. I'm not trying to scare you. It's the truth. 
They have put some of the accursed things among their own stuff. I wonder if any of us, of us in here have what belongs to God among our own stuff. I wonder if anybody in here has what belongs to God, money that belongs to God in their own bank account. You do what you want. I'm just telling you, it's dangerous. People do that all the time, and then they wonder why God doesn't come through for them. It's not that God doesn't want to come through for you. It's that you've set things up where he'd have to violate his word to come through for you, you see. He said they have put it among their own stuff. Therefore, look at verse 12. Therefore, for this reason, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. How many of you want to be able to stand before your enemies? Well, then you better think about this message we're teaching, huh? Among their own stuff. Among their own stuff. You know, we won't turn their sake of time because I'm closing now this message. But in the book of Haggai, or Haggai, however you want to say it, God had this prophet Haggai speak to a people. And he spoke by the Spirit of God to a people who built their own beautiful houses. And how many of you, got, how many of you know God has no trouble with you having a beautiful house? But these people, and you can read this in the book of Haggai, he had Haggai, the Spirit of God had Haggai speak to these people who built their own beautiful houses and let the house of God lay in ruins. And God told them through Haggai to consider their ways. And then he went on to say, you have sown much grain and bring in little. You eat and do not have enough. You drink but you are not satisfied. You have clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages and put them into a bag with holes in it. You look for much and it comes to little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. I don't want God blowing my stuff away. How many of you know the wolf blows on my house? It's not coming down. I'm like that third pig. How many has ever read to three pigs? And so I'm like the third pig, the wolf. The devil can blow on my house. It's not coming down. But I tell you what, God can blow my house down. You know that? And he said that he blew on it. I don't want God blowing, blowing it away. I call, and then the Bible says, I call for a drought. Just listen, you can read this book. God says, I call for a drought on the land. And on the mountains and on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. I don't want God calling for a drought on the labor of my hands. And then why? And you can read it in the book of Haggai. Because of my house that is in ruins. See, God had no problem with them having a nice house. It was just that they were putting all their attention on their own house and they neglected the house of God. He said, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you has his own beautiful house. See, God has no problem with you having a beautiful house. It's just that don't neglect the house of God. Can you say amen? And God told them to build the temple, build the house of God, that he may take pleasure in it and be glorified, and then all would go well. Well, the tithe is to support the house of God, among other things. Go to 2 Chronicles 31.10. We'll close here. I I trust this has blessed you today. Trust you've learned some things. 2 Chronicles 31.10. Hezekiah, the king, good king, was reforming areas the people had missed it in. And there's much we could say, but... 
It's interesting, evidently the principle of tithes and offerings had fallen away from the people and Hezekiah was instituting a whole lot of things where the people had missed it in and this was one area with tithes and offerings that he had reconstituted or put back into effect. You can read it, Second Chronicles 31. But listen to verse 10. The people who had, who had evidently stopped bringing tithes and offerings, they started it again. They began doing it again. They started it again. They began doing it again. See, this is not about the preacher getting your money. This is about you enacting spiritual principle for survival in this hour. Do you, you understand that? It's not about me. It's about you. Second Chronicles 31.10, notice what happened here as the people began again to bring the tithes and the offerings back into the house of the Lord. Watch this. Second Chronicles 31.10, And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him, answered Hezekiah and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings, and if you read the whole chapter, you'll see he's talking about tithes also. But since the people began to bring the tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord, now since the people began to bring the tithe, the offerings, the Bible says, but he's also, if you read the context of it, he's talking about tithes, into the house of the Lord, since the people began to do this, we have had, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. My God, isn't that the way that it ought to be? Since the people began to bring the offerings, the tithes and the offerings in the house of the Lord, we've had enough to eat, plenty left. The Lord's blessed the people, and what is left is this great abundance. See, when the, when the principle of tithing and offering is enacted, it, caused, it causes blessing in the house of God. And, it, and more importantly, to, to me anyway, it causes blessing in your life. Amen. Well, you do whatever you want with this message. I just taught it today because the Spirit of God directed me to teach it. And so we obeyed Him. I learned a long time ago to obey the Lord. Amen. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to stand in the presence of a holy God. And, and can they pass the communion out while we're standing? I, I think we can. How many of us can stand and pass communion? I believe we can do it. Amen. Pass out the communion if you would. Praise God. I'd have you bow your heads and close your eyes, but then you wouldn't know if the communion was coming around. So don't close your head and close your head and bow your eyes. Okay. <laughs> Just said that to see if you're listening. Don't close your head and bow your eyes. <laughs> I wonder if I'm the first preacher that's ever said that. I don't know. Probably. But you guys can go ahead and pass out the, uh, the communion elements. We're going to receive communion today. And while they're passing that out, I just want you to listen to me right, right before we close here. While they're passing that out. This is a holy time before the Lord. We receive communion around here about every six weeks. And it happened to fall on today. And it just seemed good that it did. I'm glad that it did. Because communion is a time to judge ourselves. To judge ourselves. And to judge ourselves, is there any things in our life that should not ought to be there? This is a time where we need to judge ourselves and repent of those things and, and get those things out of our life. Now if you're here today, now listen carefully, if you're here today, 